0: This afternoon, we're continuing on breaking down the chapter 59 that we were in, and I'm going to skip over a few verses to go to verse 19 and 20 to talk about the Redeemer, even though I might try to add verse 16 back in to give a little context of what we're saying. But uh, here we're talking about the Redeemer. And that Redeemer is Jesus Christ, who had redeemed us. And if there be a redemption, there has to be something that you were redeemed from. And it's the totality of sin, the physical and spiritual bondage that we were in. We were sold in sin, and he came and he brought us back. Uh, That was a redemption through Jesus Christ. He affected that himself in the book of Isaiah, the 59th chapter, the 16th verse. I'll go on and add it in there at night. says, And he saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore, his arm brought salvation unto him, and his righteousness, it sustained him. So he's looking down, seeing mankind in its sin and its bondage and its depravity, there's no way out that mankind, as I said yesterday, that wasn't able to redeem himself because he himself was a sinner and in depravity, but he needed an intercessor. As Job spoke of it in the book of Job, that he couldn't talk with God or have that conversation that he wanted with God that he had to have a mediator between him and God. And that mediator, we find out that mediator is Jesus Christ. Uh, Man was in bondage. Man can't obey God. Man can't be reconciled unto God. This is the condition he was in ever since the Garden of Eden. And God had promised him a redeemer at that time, He promised a redeemer through the woman and that word manumit it's a word manumit means to release from slavery release from slavery and that's what he did he released us from slavery he was born <clears throat> as that redeemer he was born as a man he he took upon him the personhood of a man, he had to be blood. It, it, you remember, we went over the qualifications to be a redeemer. To be a kinsman redeemer, you have to be like the one that you're redeeming. Yes. So mankind couldn't deliver himself, so he came. He came to deliver man. Man was released through Jesus Christ. That word manumit means to release from slavery. Uh, you may be fam- more familiar with the word emancipate. Uh, they talk about the proclamation of, of emancipation. But that you have to be a little bit more specific when you're talking about emancipate because that emancipate is not necessarily from slavery all the time. See, you could be uh, in restrain, uh, uh, in bondage, uh, has something can, can have control or power over you. Mm-hmm. Some people need to be emancipated away from a bad marriage, uh, from alcohol. Alcohol has a lot of people in bondage. They become addicted to alcohol. Anything that has control uh, has bondage on you. We're in bondage to the flesh. We're in bondage to the will of the flesh, the will of man. Some people end up in bondage to other people. And so emancipate means to free from bondage. It means to release also from parental care and responsibility. You see a lot of children, it's been in the news in some places where the child sued to be emancipated from the parents, that the parents wouldn't have control over them. And as I said, sometimes we need to be emancipated away from controlling influences uh even religions, some religions you need to be freed from that you're in bondage. But you end up going back into bondage to something else. And as we are freed from the bondage of the world, from the bondage of Satan, we end up back in bondage to Jesus Christ. We are his bond servants. Yes. But there's liberty in Jesus Christ, so we're the servants of God. And we yield ourselves as members unto the, to Jesus Christ. And as he's our redeemer, we have to understand what we are saying and the implications of that. I have some definitions here about being that redeemer, our personal redeemer. And that's what I was trying to start off with, that he's our personal redeemer. Isaiah 59 and 19 through 20 says, then at last, they will reverence and glorify the name of God from west to east. For he will come like a flood uh, driven by Jehovah's breath. Uh, he will, As when the enemy come upon you as a flood, he'll lift up a standard. Uh, verse 20 says, A redeemer, the Messiah, will come to Zion and to those in Jacob who turn from transgressions, declares the Lord. So that Redeemer, the Messiah that comes and breaks the hold that the world has upon you, just like God freed the children from Egypt, that the hold that sin had on the children of Israel in Egypt, that their bondage to sin. It was physical bondage, but it had a lot of spiritual implications that we look at until this day. Uh, before we get too far, I guess I, I, I'll, I'll give you one. Romans 3.24 says, And we are being justified, that is, declared free of the guilt of sin, made acceptable to God as a gift by His of his through grace, through the redemption, that is, the payment for our sins, which is provided in Jesus Christ. So he bought us. He bought us back, and he redeemed us back. Now, the price wasn't. Well, let me not get to that. The price wasn't paid to Satan, but the price was a blood sacrifice. It cost him the blood, the blood of his life. But we'll define these a little bit further as we go. The need of a redeemer, as I was saying, lies in the inability of man to raise himself from the temporal to the spiritual plane, from the lower kingdom to the higher kingdom. In other words, There were nobody and man having been in bondage of the will and he can't think there's none good. So Jesus Christ, even Job, they say Job was a perfect and upright man, but he couldn't lift himself above that plane of physicality. Yes, It has to have some outside source in Jesus Christ. Came with that outside source, that thinking as God. Yeah. With that mindset, his mind was free from the thinking of this world. His thoughts and ways wasn't of this world. He came in the image of God, that non-marred image in which man was created in the image and likeness of God. But we see that man retarded or hindered his growth in God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I, I need to tell you salvation is a once for all thing, but salvation is also a process. Mm-hmm. Salvation is a process. Justification is a once for all thing. We're justified in Christ Jesus. That's why that I wrote that read that book of Romans. Uh that are and after us becoming justified, then God starts to work through Jesus Christ who gives us of his spirit. After that redemption, he puts us in right standing with God. His, imputed, his righteousness is then imputed unto us. Mm-hmm. Through that righteousness and through faith granted, through his spirit, which we receive by faith the process of sanctification takes place, and that is the washing of the by the Word of God, which sanctified through His Word by the washing of the Word of God. But we have to have faith in that Word, yes. and we can only hear that Word. The faith coming by hearing and hearing the Word of God. So it has to be the p- correct preaching and teaching of God uh, by His ministers or the angels of God. To, co- to <clears throat> provide a proper cleansing, a correct cleansing. Because if it's a teacher that's teaching incorrect doctrine, a false, a twisted, a misconstrued doctrine, the cleansing doesn't take place. Mm. But if you're hearing the word of God, God starts to work in you and starts to reveal to you. That's why it's in Christ Jesus As a personal redeemer, he came, and now he works with or through the individual, not just as he did in the Old Testament time with the Spirit coming up on people, and it would leave, it would come up, but now the Spirit is given to each man the prophet withal. When we're born again, when we are sealed by his Spirit, we we are given his Spirit, Through the hearing of faith, when we receive that spirit, he seals us. There's a process of growth that takes place. But just like sanctification and all of these others are processes, redemption is also a process, even though in in essence it's a one-time occurrence, but we're continually being redeemed. Now Christ is the only one that was given the Spirit without measure. Yeah. He was the only one given the Spirit without measure. Whereas we grow in the Spirit in the, the scriptures sometimes enjoin us to continue to be filled with the Spirit, right. having ever increasing faith. And that's why he says if we only had the faith of a mustard seed, what could be accomplished? So we have increase in faith, we increase in redemption, we increase in sanctification. All these things has increases, but He given us the necessary seed. Uh, should I say that that seed germinates, that faith germinates and grows, to able to lift us above the temporal plane that we're on. Yeah. Mankind can transcend. The plane, the plane that we're on. That's why Jesus Christ says the kingdom of heaven is among you and, and it's in the midst of you. Everybody won't see it or be able to operate on that plane because each one is responsible for his growth and how he hears and in the increasing of faith and by being doers of the word. So, we're not all going to be on the same grade or the same plane or the same level, receive the same rewards or the same growth level in Christ. <clears throat> the kinsman redeemer was one whose responsibility was to act on behalf of a relative who was in trouble, danger, or need. And remember, Boaz acted as a kinsman redeemer for Ruth, but there were a nearer kinsman redeemer than him who... Uh, abrogated. Who who said he didn't want the job that it would mar his inheritance. Mm-hmm. So now what what happens is, as we follow Christ, as we're born again, we become kinsmen redeemers. If we follow the example of Christ through preaching the gospel and doing a lot of things, we try to help bring somebody into the faith. As Paul said, called Timothy his son Timothy. And by mentoring, and, and a lot of women bring other women along, and men bring other men along. and other words, disciple them, uh, help teach them. Because what happens is we are responsible under the Great Commission is going into all of the world, being a light unto the world, being a light unto the people of the world. and And that's how people grow from hearing the Word of God. That's why we speak the Word of God. We go around speaking the Word meditating in the Word day and night, because that's what causes growth, the preaching and teaching of God's Word. Now, as I said, redemption as a process. Redemption as a process. Luke, the 21st chapter and the 28th verse, when Jesus was talking about end times and things that they would see toward the end of time, and I tell you all the time, if you have spiritual eyes, we can see that the world is coming to this linear end that Christ talked about, that there was a judgment time coming in that history of life uh, wasn't time. It's not circular. We're not just going around. We're going somewhere, and there's an end of time. There's a time in which this world would end. Yes. And Christ was giving his disciples, you, if you start reading further in the chapter you'll see where he was said of the signs that would be transpiring when that end of time was coming. Those that's spiritually inclined, those that are reading their Bible, they can see these things come to pass. Verse 28 says, now when you see these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draweth nigh. When I mean, you see all of these wars and rumors of wars, and we know there's been many wars and rumors of wars and devastation and earthquakes going since the world began, but those are the scoffers that says, Well the world continue on as it is, all these things has been happening before. But the people of God notice that something is different about this. It says in the Amplified Version, Now when these things begin to occur, stand tall and lift up your heads in joy, because suffering ends as your redemption is drawing near. So that's why a lot of people start saying the end is near. We won't suffer always. This time of our suffering is about to pass because there's going to be a change. God's bringing about a change. This is part of Jesus Olivet prophecy where he predicts conditions before his return and our redemption is still yet future but we have been redeemed. You see what I'm saying when I say it's a process but we have been redeemed. In other words, there's no going back because the giving of the spirit that seal when he says seal him in the forehead in other words, these are the redeemed. These are the redeemed of God. But then these have to go through a process. Right. The conclusion is clear. That sanctification is a process. Conversion is a process. Growing and overcoming is a process. So we, we go, we proceed on to perfection. And now we see that redemption is also a process. That it's not just a one-time thing and that we redeem and we can do as we, No, we still have an obligation to God to grow. There's still more that we need to do. Right, right. That Those are the people that hunger and thirst to be filled with the Spirit of God. Yes. We do not become completely free of our captivity to Satan and this world in one giant leap. Do we still... Bound by a whole lot of things. Some of us still have unforgiveness or bitterness or whatever, but we're being washed by the word and it's going to take some process. It's going to take a lengthy process. It took Abraham some 30 some years to get to a point where he staggered not at the promises of God. But along that time, there were failures that it says a good man will fail several times. So after our conversion, there's going to be times that we trip, that we fall, that we have problems that we can mentor others on where we tripped at and what happened to us and warn others of of those pitfalls. But those pitfalls are discussed by the word of God and already told us that there was this but Jesus keep focusing and emphasizing that we need to be overcomers in him. In other words, to increase in faith, to grow in faith, to grow in virtue and knowledge, and don't remain babes in Christ, don't remain on the milk of the word. We need to start eating the strong meat of the word, because if we could be judges of the world, there is a battle going on, and we need to bruise Satan's head. We need to put him to death. We need to have Satan under our feet. That we trample on with the blood of of uh, of the all this blood we gonna have Satan under our feet according to Romans sixteen and twenty he says we gonna bruise Satan under our feet because Jesus told us all the way back in the book of Genesis he shall bruise your heel but you shall bruise his head. Yes. Uh, liberty is produced incrementally, not one step at a time. It's like getting a a good credit rating. You might have a 500 or 550 or something like that. And over a period of time, you can raise up and get to a 700. But it's going to require proper budgeting, managing, and not getting a whole lot of things on a credit card. If you notice one thing when people tell you about developing and getting your credit rating high is, Whatever your credit maximum is, your credit level on that credit card, you want to keep it at least thirty to thirty-five percent with available credit on that credit card to have a better rating. If you always keep where you don't have much credit on your credit card, your credit scores will reflect that that you you're not a good credit risk. But the lower, if you can lower that between thirty thirty-five percent or lower. To have that much room on a credit card, it's going to help your credit rating. The longer you have certain accounts open the certain things, but through financial management, we see it takes time. It takes time in all of the things that we do. Fasting, learning to fast, you might have to fast one day, a half of a day or whatever. After learning to fast, half of a day or whatever, incrementally, increase the time or the length of your fasting or whatever. And you're eating. But whatever you do, it's all done in moderation. It comes step by step. It comes as a process. Praying comes as a process. You could pray ten or fifteen minutes and the more you work with God and seeing your need of God, the more things come in that you're seeing you have to pray for the more conflict you're in, the more you need to talk with God and Ask him and talk with him the longer your prayer life is. Uh, We are indeed the first fruits of God's great purpose, but we are most assuredly not a finished product yet. So the church is the first fruits. He's preparing us for something. As a royal priesthood, we're not a finished product. God is working on us, but he's working on us for a job that he has that we need to do yes. at the end of this covenant, covenantal time in which he ushered a, another dispensation in, in which the church goes into functioning for the priesthood that they had been in training for. Right. We are under construction being transformed and brought to the measure, according to Ephesians four thirteen, to the measure of the stature of, of the fullness of Christ Mm -hmm. to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ that's in his image and his likeness. So we're being revealed from day to day. We're being transformed into his image. We're already in his likeness, but in his image. So this process, this time process, talked about it yesterday some In the 7th chapter of Romans, the 23rd through the 24th verse, it says, But I see a different law and a rule of action in the members of my body, that is, in its appetites and desires, waging war against the law of my mind and subduing me and making me a prisoner to the law of sin, which is within my members, wretched and miserable man that I am, who will rescue me and set me free from the body of this death. In other words, this corrupt mortal existence. We are mortifying or putting the flesh to death. You might have to wean yourself away from television. You might not do it all at one time. You might have to wean yourself away from some of the other worldly things that you do, your computer time, your socializing time or whatever. In other words, Christ must increase and we must decrease. We must put the old man to death, yes. and that should be a daily dying, a daily repentance. You notice it says those that are repenting and trans from transgressions, and those that are giving up the pleasures of the flesh. Those who it says uh, those who are being brought into the conformity of the likeness of Jesus Christ. So not just a preacher, mm-hmm. but regular lay people, regular people will start giving Christ more time and more time. He's going to increase in your life. He's as a consuming fire. He's going to take more and more. That hunger will be created in you because of the battle. Yes. The battle itself is going to cause your appetites to increase. It's going to cause the things to change. Here's the living version of that 7th through the 23rd through the 24th verse of Romans. But there is something else deep within me that is in my lower nature that is at war with my mind and wins to fight and makes me a slave of sin that is still within me. That old nature is not taken away. You, When he's giving you a new nature, when you're born again, when he's giving you of the spirit, there's going to be a warfare going on within you. When you attempt to do good, evil is right there. Yes. When you want to pray, the body may tell you you could pray later on. You need to do these things. Uh, when you say you go fast, it's because no, you don't have to fast or whatever. When you start teasing somebody or uh, gossiping, all of these temptations, the things that appeal to the old man, it's like passing a A place that you used to hunger and thirst for this type chicken or that type meat or that type food or whatever, and people will bring it around you all the time, whatever, the temptation is there. Yes. So that is in you, and you're not going to be able to totally put it to death, but you're going to have to ask Christ to help you subdue that because whoever you yield your members unto, that's who you are serving of. So if you yield your members to righteousness, you're a servant of righteousness. If you yield your members to unrighteousness, you're a member of unrighteousness. So if you yield yourself to gossip and backbiting, and bitterness, all of those carnal works of the flesh that are in Galatians, the fifth chapter, I think it's 17 to 22, hatred and all variance, all of those things that are works of the flesh, you yield yourself to those, of those things can come back upon you. You have to be aware because they come back with vengeance sometimes yeah. that you can't just suppress them. You have to wash and cleanse those away to kill them and put the old man to death. Paul yeah. said continually putting the old man to death. Jesus said, deny yourself and take up your cross. It's going to be a denial, and it's not going to be an easy fight here now. That nature, he says, in my mind, I want to be will, God's willing servant, but instead I find myself still enslaved to sin. Mm. So you see how it is. My new life tells me to do right, but the old nature that is still inside me loves to sin. Yes. Oh, what a terrible predicament I'm in. Who will free me from my slavery to this deadly Lord nature? Thank God, it, is done, it has been done by Jesus Christ, our Lord. He has set me free. Yes. Even though He had yes. set you free, yes. that hadn't fully occurred. Only when this corruptible put on incorruptible, a mortal put on immortality, will that be complete. But until then, till that day, you'll. Unless we taken out of here, unless we die, unless we convert it with Jesus Christ come back yes. is when that battle cease. Yes. But to the day they put you in the ground, you'll be fighting that, that lower nature because the old man is there. You can suppress him. They say suppress the truth and unrighteousness or whatever. What you're doing is suppressing something, but what the Spirit is, the Spirit has to control that through Christ Jesus. Amen. Yes. 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 That, that that carnal nature, when it got Jesus, not that he had sin in him, but notice the flesh. He says, if there are any other way in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, if there are any other way, but he says, nevertheless, thy will be done. Yes. Sin doesn't want to go in that great beyond. It's like legion they said, please don't cast us out. You came here to torture us before the time. He says, peace, hold your peace They go into those swine. And they allowed them to go into the swine to roll off the cliff, but they wasn't going easy. If mm-hmm. you notice in the book of Acts, it shows you where Jonas and Jambresh withstood Moses. Mm-hmm. Those magicians just didn't turn and run. They fought him to the, after the fourth or fifth plagues. They was duplicating. His plagues they, he would throw his serpent down, his staff down and they would throw their staff down. They was able to duplicate it with some of their tricks and, and magic and things, but when it got to the fleas, the lice, they couldn't produce life. when God produced life but well, each one of those 10 miracles was dedicated toward their gods that they worshiped. So God could choose the things in our life that each one of us have to overcome. Your weaknesses and the things that you need to overcome may be much different than mine. Some people, finances give them a problem and other people's, it don't. Mm. God might have put a woman together with a strong mathematical and a financial Accruement to banish the money and didn't give it to the husband, and the husband couldn't see that and allowed a wife to manage the finances. Yes. Yeah. So that's why he give us as he help meets because he know where one complements the other. Yes. Paul writes in Second Corinthians three eighteen, but we all with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So we're being transformed. This transformation, this regeneration, this new life that's taking place, that's why he says forsake not the to assembling together of yourself. Those people that don't study God's Word and go to Bible study in church consistently, they're outside the church. They're strong within themselves, but not they're not strong in the Lord. That's why the Lord said, I never knew you. They were able to feed the needy and cast out devils and everything, but they didn't have a relationship with God. You must do both. Yeah. <clears throat> Transformation is a process just as redemption is a process. We should be able to understand this from our own experiences since being converted that some areas we feel strongly in, but some areas we know we, got, we need a lot of work in. That our conversion wasn't just we complete, and we, we perfect, and we can tell it. It says take, that may be pride stepping in. It says take heed when a man thinking he's staying. That may be when you fall. Pride go it before fall. Yes. We know that we're not completed from Satan and from this world, and that we are still in the world, and we have to pray to God to keep us from the evil that's in the world. The Apostle Paul writes in First Corinthians thirteen and twelve for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. now I know in part, but then I shall know just I also as I am known. so this verse indicates that everything concerning salvation is undergoing a process of transformation. human nature and this world have had have their hands up on us, and we have to fight them to keep them off of us. Just like the children of Israel, they had been in Egypt so long that when God took them out of Egypt, it was as the old saying, you can take the boy out of the country, but you can't take the country out of the boy. He was able to take them out of Egypt, but he wasn't able to take Egypt out of them. They remember the leeks and the cucumbers and the garlics. They remember the things of Egypt. We're in the world, and when God tells us to come out of the world, Babylon is the world. Yes. We're not geographically to come out of the world, but we have to come from under the world's influence. Right. The world influences us. I, I can see where the world, how the world influenced my children from away from me and, and have me antagonistic in some areas. That's why Christ says your enemies shall be those of your own household. Yes. Because even if you and your wife are not of the same religious persuasion, if y'all in a different denomination have different belief system, y'all will have problems with one another and raising the kids and how to raise the kids and things on. And he says that your enemies will be those of your own household. Yes. But you have to follow Christ for yourself. That's why The man is not the woman is not uh, under compulsion to follow the man in certain aspects, and that's why Paul said, "Gave the believer that you you have to be given unto peace." And sometimes you might could not find peace in that relationship. It may not be what God had joined together. So Paul told them that they may have to separate. They you could if. You separate, he didn't encourage divorce because what God had put together, let no man put asunder. But he says, let them separate, remain estranged for one another. Now, if they come to a proper understanding, it says, let them be reconciled to one another. Now, there are physical constraints and things that if it has happened in between that time, then they would have to be divorced or whatever because one would have been committed adultery. Yes. See, because the separation sport had been about spirituality and whatever, and not the lust of the flesh. We use that for different vices and excuses sometimes. Yes. Uh, we know that if we do not, we will conform to them in, in their ways, on the job, around different people. Sooner or later, we conform to those around us or the things around us. We try to fight, but a lot of times it wears us down over a period of time. The world wears us down. The resistance of the things that the people of the world have a tendency to wear us down. Mm. Gradually, as we learn and overcome, the veil is removed, but a time is coming when we will have the fullness of everything promised, but all of the promise don't come all of a sudden. So there's a veil over our face, and we grow. I, I can imagine each and every one of y'all spirituality. You could look back over the past ten years, and you can see where a lot of areas that you've had a lot of spiritual growth and experience that you didn't have years ago. Paul relates his experience in Romans seven twenty three, saying that he's seen this other law within his members that were bringing him into captivity. And he knew only Jesus could deliver him because it's a lot of times to say, well, honey, I want to do this. I, I, I'm not, you know, but I'm, I'm, it's the flesh. Yes. The flesh has been, and I'm trying. That's why we pray that prayer. And the words of the scripture says, loosen the bonds of sin that so easily captives us. Those bonds that has us tied. That got we pray that God would pull down the strongholds in our lives. Satan has many of strongholds in our lives. Yes. Many of the things that you physically addicted to, you can't do it within yourselves. And if you could do it within yourselves, when people be talking me and my older son were talking about that the other day. When people be talking about you go through cold turkey to, to get off this and to do those things, sometimes the body a die going through cold turkey. This rejection and thing. There are people the reason they created synthetic alcohol and they have rehab centers and everything, because your body is designed a certain way and if you nurse if you don't nurse it off that of that alcohol or that particular drug or certain things. There are different medications your your doctor gives to you and he tell you don't just quit taking that medication. Yeah. I have to titrate you off of that medication. Yes. You have to step down to get off of mm-hmm. that medication. You can't just quit cold turkey. Mm-hmm. And so we're designed in certain ways. That That's why we, we need the word of God and we need teachers and we need the body of Christ. It's not good for us to what God had given us instructions through His word. We see in the, this in the picture of the children of Israel that 40 years in the wilderness, Egypt still was in them and they were still desiring to have leaders to take them back to Egypt because not knowing just like people come into Christianity and they're having struggles, and they say, well, I was better when I was in the world. A lot of people say, well, when I was serving the golden calf, when I was celebrating this and celebrating, I was doing much better. Yeah. You think you were better. That's the way idolatry is. The grass is always greener over, on the other side of the fence. But non-Christians, I tell you, Christians and non-Christians alike suffer. Mm-hmm. So in Christianity, there will be suffering and there will be setbacks just as there were when you are in the world and will be. Now, it may be a part of your nature to hook and crook and thank your mind and make you think you're doing better. Yes. But that's a different type bondage that you are under that I'm not going to talk about today. Mm-hmm. But what happens in Christianity is that there are preachers, and I told you earlier about preaching, and when preaching is done the wrong way, They may preach preaching you about prosperity and the health and wealth movement. Well, they may can preach that, but it's not necessarily right or correct. There are people that are not Christians that Job realized this when he was talking about the crooked of the evil man, about his herd prospering, and his children are doing good. Everything is going well in his life, and his health is going fine or whatever. And all of that is true. So we can't decide that by God. So when people tell you, well, I'm, I ain't never been to the doctor in my life and I'm doing this or whatever, good, you may be one of those with good genes or good genetics or whatever, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're serving God. Yes. Godliness is not necessarily gained Just because you have money and wealth as the lay of the sins did, that they didn't have any need of anything. They said that they were they were wealthy. They, did, they didn't see a need for anything. But Christ said, you poor, wretched, and naked. Yes. So from a spiritual perspective, a lot of the wealthier people are some of the most loneliest people. They're people that kill themselves, or commit suicide, and you have never known how lonely they were. They're... Married people that their marriages aren't what they appear in the press or what people put it out to be, or whatever. So, life could be a cornucopia of things, or whatever. But when we preaching redemption, sanctification, justification, all of these other things, as a Christian, that's why it says there'll be days that the suffering will end. Yes. So you may suffer as a Christian, you may suffer for doing the right thing or whatever, mm, yes. but that's why the Word of God shows you the plight of some of God's servants and that that were wealthy God's servants and that there were poor of God's servants. Yes. yes now, uh we, as I said. All this means that we will not truly be redeemed until we come in the fullness of our inheritance. And it tells you on some scripture, the spirit is the earnest of our inheritance. It's only a down payment. Mm -hmm. It's a taste of what's coming. But we won't enjoy, the fullness wouldn't be enjoying enjoying until after this life is over. Uh, Even in this life, there are some promises of that in this life. And we will study that, the 21st verse, where there will be a restoration to time of God restoring all things, a time when we glorify God with our wealth, we glorify God with our things, because yes. the Egyptians gonna come to serve God, the Syrians will come to serve God, the Iraqis and all of those will come to serve God. I'm not going to be able to get to it out of my notes today. I, I have all these notes, but we're not going to make it. Past page nine. It says, then will we be completely released from all the effects of sin. And it will be plain to all that we are indeed God's peculiar treasures at the end. Yes. But we still, a lot of things that's going on, that's going on now, as I was telling you, as in the Olivet Prophecy. Those that God are marking for his people are seeing that the things that are happening are of God and they will come into the church and start following God and going to the house of God. God's churches will be repopulated with seed. God promises that he's going to sow men unto his churches. Now, right now, they may be endurance and desolate, but God's promises will be fulfilled. But we have to hold the line. If we feeling the Spirit, knowing we're in the Spirit, and conversing with God, we'll seal the by that Spirit, just as it Ezekiel exactly said, seal him in the forehead, yep. Ephesians one thirteen to fourteen. So our Redeemer, this is His responsibility. Christ, our Redeemer, the Messiah, He had volunteered. He had asked... He was sent by God, one that sent. He's the great apostle sent by God to do a job, and all that the Father giveth him, none shall be lost. Yes. But this job, he is doing it. Ephesians one thirteen to fourteen says, "In whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise." which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption. When it says until the redemption, you were seal of the purchased possession until the praise. So you that purchased possession, you're the pearl of great price. You were bought with a price. Now, notice I told you it obligates you. Your body is no longer your body. You belong to Christ now. You, you, you were purchased by his blood. The Amplified reads, in him, it keeps saying in him, he's the redeemer. This lesson is focused on the redeemer. It's all in Christ. They couldn't see what we see now. That's behind them. They believed God or trusted God, but by faith now, the object of our faith has appeared. It's all in Christ Jesus. This is the one that's sent. We have to believe that. And him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, he came preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. That's the good news. That's the salvation. He was armed and equipped with this, and he puts that whole armor of God upon us. He equips us with the same thing he will equip with, look, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation. He put. We put on that same armor because we have to do that job he did. He says, I'm the light of the world, but when I be taken away, you will be like the lights of the world. Yes, Lord. So we are being made in his image and likeness, and we are making others. We are being a light unto those other people, and we have to allow that light to so shine. Yes, yes, Lord. He said... And as, as a result, we believed in him. Were stamped with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit, the one promised by Christ as owned and protected by God. I didn't stamp you. I didn't put your, my seal of approval on you. My seal, my Sabbath, you belong to me. This is a mark. This is a sign. you carrying all these things that show that you belong to me. The Spirit is the guarantee, that is, the first installment of pledge or just a foretaste of our inheritance until the redemption of God's own purchased possession. Until, so he says, taste the Lord and see is he good. You know, sometimes my wife says, well, you can't get too big a taste or too big a sample. I'm just giving you a sample. I go in there and try to get a whole bowl. She said, well, no, don't get that big a bowl or you're not going to want to eat when dinner comes. You're going to be full. So God gives us a taste of the world to come of the things to come, and that's what we're working on. We're sealed with those promises, and we've tasted the Lord to see that he's good. God's promised spirit seals us after we believe. Yes, Clearly, receiving the Holy Spirit is something that has happened in our past. We receive the Spirit. He says he sealed us. We receive it upon faith and repentance, baptism and the laying on of hands. Peter says, believe, he says, um, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, you will receive the Holy Spirit. So if we believe. But repentance is based upon repentance. It's based upon hearing the word of God. The gospel, the gospel is able to establish you. You hear the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing the word of God. The word preached. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes. So that seed of faith that's planted, that kernel that grows on good ground, but we have to nurture that. We have to break up our fallow ground. We have to water the, those seeds. We have to do a whole lot. In other words, for that to germinate, for it to give life, this is a process that we, we continue to process. Because I, I don't know if it's in the original text of or how it's worded, because I can't read Hebrew or Greek. It it's, the New Testament's in Greek. But Jesus says, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples. Yes. Okay. If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples. Verse 14 clarifies that this occurrence occurred in the past, saying that what we received was merely an, an earnest, an installment of the Holy. This is the earnest of our inheritance. Yes. This is like the payment, a down payment, uh, what we had on layaway. We, we will receive that. We gonna redeem it one day. But this is the ticket we have and we will keep paying on this layaway and one day we will go get that thing we have and layaway out. The sense here is similar to Romans 8.32 where Paul writes, God's giving us of his son is our guarantee that he will withhold no good thing from us. If he gave us his son, what else could he withhold from us? There's no good thing he gave us. The ultimate, and that was the life of his son, his life blood. The word until further clarifies the time element by stating that this will not happen until the redemption of the purchased possession. So we have assumed that we were redeemed when we believed, which was right, and that we were justified by his blood. But notice Paul also writes that this redemption of the purchased possession is yet future. Mm-hmm. So you see why I said we have be, been redeemed, but we're being redeemed, that it's a process that we're going through? Yes. There's a future reception of more of God's Holy Spirit and a future redemption. Um, well, Thus, just as we know that we do not now have God's Spirit in full measure, we have to realize that we are not yet fully redeemed. Mm -hmm. He says continue, keep being filled with the Spirit. The Spirit was only given to Jesus without measure, and He was able to do a whole lot of things. But as we grow in that Spirit, in that measure, as the Apostles was doing miracles and a lot of the things that the apostles was doing at that time, it was for reasons that God allowed them to raise the dead and do a whole lot of things that in this latter day the church may not be doing, but they'll have faith. They'll have faith when it comes yeah. because the speaking of tongues and all of that, that may have been for the church in its infantile state. But now we're able to preach the gospel and as we own Sermon Audio A lot of this is preached in a lot of different languages. That's why I give you the monthly report. And you see sometimes it's some 20, a lot of times it's 10 or 20 different countries that this gospel goes out into the preaching of what Bible we. So we're reaching the masses. There's different ways that God's causing his word to go forth. We don't all have to learn tongues. God doesn't work through us through speaking in tongues, a lot of us. Right, right. but a lot of churches are Pentecost unless you pick it in tongues you ain't been saved you ain't been born again or whatever okay uh, as used in the Bible redeem means to deliver one through paying a price and we were redeemed by the blood of the lamb Yes, Jesus' blood was the redemption price the price has been paid in full and we are even now the recipients of of merely the beginning of its blessings. We, don't, we hadn't received all of the blessings. Right. Job says in Job 19.25, he says, For I know that my Redeemer and Vindicator lives. I know my Redeemer lives, and at last he will take his stand upon the earth. Yes. I know I have a living Redeemer. He says, Now, you can bury me. You can hide me in the ground. He said, though the skin worms destroy my flesh, yet in my body will I see God. Now, he was confident in the fact that he was going to see his Redeemer in his body. Mm -hmm. So he knew of the resurrection. He believed in a resurrection. Job's the oldest book in the Bible, and Job knew of that. He knew that this mediator, Jesus Christ, He was the one that's standing in between him and God. He said he needs someone as a referee to stand between him and God. And that's why I tell you, Jesus Christ. That's why I'm trying to focus everything that not as a Jehovah witness or whatever, but it's all in the name of Jesus, that name above every name. So if you're a Jehovah witness and you're trying to preach this or teach this, remember I said through denominational religious lines or whatever, Uh, You're a Muslim or something, Islam and all, but Jesus, Jesus is the redeemer. This is the only way you have to have somebody to buy you back, to purchase you, to make you a child of God because he's the author and the finisher of your faith. It was given to him. This is his job. He's the one that said, I'll send the Spirit. The Spirit's going to come in my name. The Holy Ghost, which I'll send in my name. The Holy Ghost comes in the name of Jesus. It doesn't glorify itself. Mm. So this obligation, just like when they came out of Egypt, they had an obligation. And we don't learn from obligation. We may get married and somebody may come along and rescue us from a bad household or whatever. We prayed to God that God would send us a loving husband or a wife or whatever. But after a number of years or whatever, that obligation to that spouse or to whatever we were obligated for, it wears out. We're no longer appreciative or thankful of it. We become ungrateful. Ingratitude comes along. And that's the same with Jesus. Jesus said, you've left your first love. Amen sometime that obligation to Jesus Christ, the responsibility to him. So he saved them out of Egypt. Exodus 13, 14 through 16, it says, And it shall be when your sons ask you in time to come, saying, What does this mean? You shall say to him, With a strong and powerful hand, The Lord brought us out of Egypt from the house of bondage and slavery. For it happened when Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go that the Lord struck every firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of animals. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord all the males, the firstborn of every womb. That's why they were doing the Passover. But we have the Passover. He's our Passover. He's the Passover lamb. He's the one that was our sacrifice. This is the one that by his shed blood, This is the one that we're obligated because he rose again. This is the one that God had appointed. Mm. God has appointed him. So we're obligated to him. We owe him our lives. As Paul said, we're his bond That's the way James, his brother, looks at it. He didn't say my brother or whatever. He said that he was a servant of Jesus Christ. No man know him after the flesh. We're servants of Jesus Christ now. So I'm getting this part about Egypt in the 19th chapter of Isaiah, which goes to talk about Egypt. But we must know our Redeemer. The Redeemer will be known of all. So we're going to talk about that. We'll come in and talk about that. But that's why the Passover, that's why that memorial that we partake of, the Lord's table. That is a memorial unto him. He says, this do in remembrance of my death until I come. This is my body that was broken for you. Yes. This is my blood that was shed for you. He done it for us. It's a memorial, a perpetual memorial that we do, that we're obligated to him, that we were in bondage just like they were in bondage of, in Egypt. And none of them made it to the promised land. But they were bought. They were God's people. God had brought them out. But through their disobedience, all of them carcasses dropped in the wilderness. Even Moses didn't make it through the promised land. Because as I said yesterday, instead of speaking to the rock, he smote the rock. But he allowed the people around him to influence him, to cause him to be angry. And pride lifted up. And like he was providing the water. He said, shall I provide water for you rebels? And he smote the rock. Well, God went on and gave the people water, but it wasn't Moses giving them water. It was Christ, the water. That's what it was symbolic of. Mm -hmm. That's why he said, speak to the rock. Just like with the manna that fell from heaven, Christ says, I'm the bread of life. That that manna that you ate, it was my body. And that's what we, the memorial... We eat of his bro. He says, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you have no life within you. It's all about Jesus. Everything is in Christ. He's our Redeemer. Heavenly Father, we come before you, Lord God, when there was no man and that redeemed.